Welcome to the Inklecast. This week we're going to talk about the difficulties of fail states in game designs. I'm John. I'm Joe. And I'm Tom. Right, so obviously we specialise in making narrative games. That's our whole sort of idea is let's tell better stories in games. But one of the biggest design problems, which I don't think you hear people talk about very often, is the fail state. What do you do with the player who gets it wrong? What do you do with the player who gets stuck, who runs out of resources, who goes the wrong way, or who simply refuses to get up and do anything? Because in almost all narrative games, the fail state is a real, it's a really big problem that you spend a lot of time trying to work out how to solve, but it doesn't actually add anything to the bulk of the game. So I started thinking about this in the context of mystery games. That I think was where it became really clear to me. If you're making like a detective game, you go around finding the clues, you try to solve the crime, and that's all fine, but only if the player gets it right first time and then they have a great experience and they go home. And one of the things that was awesome about her story was that it had no fail state whatsoever. But that's a very difficult trick I guess, to pull off. I guess the risk in a lot of games, if you don't have a fail state, is you walk around in circles. Because um, Ron Gilbert was quite famous for introducing an adventure games that didn't have a fail state. Because before, games like Monkey Island, I think, I'm not sure whether Maniac Mansion mm. had a fail state or not. But um, it was around that era when he was advocating less of the insta-death. Because previously, adve- adventure games were a lot like game books in that they would kind of... They would, they would kill you at every turn. Yeah, and, he and was quite the first... often they would kill you or, or you would get stuck because you didn't pick up an item 14 screens mm, ago. Right, exactly. So, yeah, the space and so, notorious. And that. so it was actually quite controversial when um, he introduced point-and-click adventures with no fail state. Um, and that's kind of become the norm ever since. But of course, yes, the, the risk is that you end up walking between all the rooms and just getting lost and not knowing what to do next, also, which is a, it's a fail state of its uh, Yeah, and itself. it's a particular kind, isn't it? it yeah. What that game says is you're not ever allowed to do anything which isn't the correct thing to do mm. or which is completely consequence-free. So if you're trying to tell a narrative game, that means that absolutely every single player is going to have the same adventure. Well, OK, you could branch and have multiple, I guess. But also player's freedom is going to be constrained by this totally arbitrary thing which the player doesn't know what it is they're not allowed to scupper their boat if they think that's a clever solution but it locks them out of part three of the story so i mean we've often tried in sort of sorcery i guess to avoid that problem as much as possible by just having a lot of different ways to do everything and almost everything is optional. Yeah, I remember Deus Ex, the first Deus Ex was one of the first games to do that within a kind of a first-person shooter context Mm -hmm. and it worked so, so well um, because Deus Ex was effectively branching in that you could approach a problem. It was kind of a strategic first-person shooter, I guess, and you could approach a problem from lots of different angles and it really did go really far towards fixing that kind of deadlock problem um, and also made the player feel like they were being creative because they have an idea, they try it and it works. One of the things I've been thinking about recently um, is is can you use grind 
as a fail state. Like there are a lot of games where grind is a thing you're actually supposed to do. And I can't really get behind that as a design principle because it feels well, just why would anyone choose to do this with their time? But if you had a game where you can be good at it, you can do well, you can get through it. And if you fail or mess up or you, you don't or you, you don't play strategically or you're unlucky, you can just do a bit of grind and get yourself back on back on track again. Um, and whether that might be quite a good use of grind, because it's obviously a punishment, but it's also a punishment which actually leads you back onto the path of success. But then does that doesn't really solve the problem of giving a good experience to all players, because the problem with difficulty is often that, like, I'm not very good at playing games despite liking games, and does that not mean that in that type of game I just have a lot more grindy, boring experience? Mm, yeah, that's true, that the players who are bad at it have a worse time. I remember. Do you remember L.A. Noire? When Alien Noir came out, it was a completely different shaped game than it was originally pitched at. But I, th- I believe that it was originally the case that you would do your cases and interrogate your suspects. And then if you got it wrong, because you could do that in the actual release game, it doesn't really do anything. You get like a star rating and you can play it again and the game just moves on. But in the original, you'd then be demoted to being a beat cop and then you'd have to drive around the city and you'd have those little incidents that happened occasionally on streets. You'd do one of those, which was usually just a shootout and a chase. And then you'd be allowed to be a detective again and you could carry on with the game. That sort of reminds me of Shadow of Mordor a bit. It sounds like they were trying to approach a more systemic solution Mm. um, while also combining um, kind of story-like sections, which would be a really smart design. Yeah, and it's sort of grind-ish. I mean, it isn't grind Mm. because there's no resource involved, but it is sort of do a menial task in order to buy your way back into the narrative. But they did cut it, and probably the reason why they cut it is that the actual cases in L.A. Noir are almost impossible to solve because it's so (laughs) arbitrary. Mm. So it must have just felt incredibly unfair, which I guess is speaking to your point of, Mm. like, if you're bad at the game or if the game is just weird. It depends how bad grind is, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, this is essentially what Dark Souls does, is you can finish Dark Souls on one life you're really good um but there's a leveling system where you kill things to get exp to level up for people who suck like me so you might end up with level you know a level 40 which means you're a fair bit tougher than a level one character but you can absolutely beat the game yeah without ever leveling up if you want to right and i think that's quite conscious how does the leveling up tie into failure exactly um so how do you level up you level up by going back to the hub world and then telling a character i would like to spend some of my points to level up and yeah maybe (laughs) they do have the system where if you die you lose all of the points that you would be able to level up with but you never really need to go back to the hub world at all if you just want to plow through the whole game like if you're good enough that you don't ever need like you could because you do consciously feel i have enough points to level up i'd best backtrack so that i can do that so that i don't die potentially next you know in the next section but yeah um good players definitely would i think i think games have a problem in general though that the good players get rewarded with better weapons and take that as literal or metaphorical but it means that the good players end up finding it even easier and so the balance um kind of what do you call that the the compound interest on the 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 balance is kind of balanced the wrong way around um, yeah. Compared with, say, I always think of um, a game of pool as kind of the opposite, that it's, it's self-balancing, that the more balls you pot, the di- more difficult it gets. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, but it seems madness to do it any other way. I mean, if the player's doing well, you've got to congratulate them, right? It's by giving yeah. them something good. We've talked about this pool thing before, but the only thing that, works, yeah. that makes it work about pool is that it's the, the fewer things you have on the table, the harder it is, but that's also your score. Yes. And if you don't have that link, then suddenly it feels like you're punishing, like, well, you're rewarding players for losing, mm. so I'll just lose lots. Mm. Um, well, yeah, I mean, arguably in pool, is, is it a good strategy to just not pot anything for a while? until there's fewer balls on the table and most of them are yours mm. and then to clean up that's what a hustler does I guess <laughs> but, yeah I mean a failure is often basically used to waste the player's time and I think it's the same thing that you were saying about grinding and it's the same mm. thing in Dark Souls like I should backtrack to go level up which is wasting my time because I'm not sure that I'll be able to do the next bit yeah I guess that's the classic thing in an, in an action game as well is you know die reload at a checkpoint mm. and then you waste a bit of time but you also lose a bit of the of the that's flow true. and the impact of the that's story true. or the events because you have to sit through a cutscene but then maybe that time, is exactly like even if you take out the cutscenes though maybe mm. that's still quite uh, that's still punishing and annoying I guess it depends on how how bespoke or how dynamic the gameplay is so if the enemies always spawn in the same place and react to you in exactly the same way then it really does feel like replaying a section but the more there's a bit of dynamism to the way that the gameplay uh, plays out then if you have to repeat it then it feels like you're having another go and playing in a new way or at least that's the, that's the theory, and, and games like Halo do try to do that, I think. That's something I always liked about the design of Sorcery is, in my opinion, if you die, what you do is you rewind a bit and then you just go down a different path. So like, Although it's funny you say that. don't like, do that, I yeah, think. Yeah, because like, people I, get attached, and I, I noticed myself doing it. Like, it's only, perhaps only in Sorcery 4 that I really became conscious of it, mm. that I find myself trying to recreate my save yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I own it and I'm trying to yeah. get it back. Well, there's, there's definitely people playing Sorcery 4 who say, well, it gets a bit tedious, this, this die and reset thing, because I just have to repeat these Groundhog Day, this set of yeah. perfect playthrough actions. Yeah. You kind of go, well, why on earth are you doing that? Yeah. But yeah, I guess it's a, it's a very baked in assumption that that's the way that you deal with a, a fail state is you try to pretend that it didn't happen, get back yeah. to where you were, and then you carry on. Yeah. But then that makes me wonder, like, did Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, have the perfect solution to this? That like, But Sands of Time was super linear in general. Like, mm. the, the, the kind of the timed um, action was, was set out in a particular way that you had to button, press the buttons in a certain sequence to kind of get past all of the traps. Hmm. But, I mean, like, when you, when you miss a jump or something, you rewind mm. time to get, and that's how you get over your fail mm. state. You're in control of it. You can always rewind mm. it, and then off you go again. Mm. So... So long as you never run out of the resource, which you probably never did, you could always rewind time. But then they did that in the later Prince Bergwitz, where you had that companion who always pulled you up whenever you fell off a ledge. Mm. And that felt totally pointless. Despite That's being kind of the same. Yeah. Which I think surprised everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jonathan Blow went completely extreme with Braid. He was inspired by Sounds of Time, I think, and just said, right, you can't ever die because you really genuinely do have infinite uh, sand, i.e. Yeah. rewind power. Yeah. Which was really interesting because it it actually took it from an action turned an action game into a puzzle game because there was no risk of death. Mm. Yeah, it's probably worth mentioning the obvious, I suppose, which is that um, fail states are at least traditionally skill checks. They're oh, you missed the jump. Oh, you probably weren't good enough at jumping, so you should do that jump again. And if you mm. fail it enough times. Mm then we're going to throw you back to the start of the stage where we're going to re-tutorialise how to jump. And I think that's mm. okay for games which are, like, you know, Twitch problems or, or kind of 
or even strategy problems. If you're doing some kind of puzzle where you do a thing and it goes, no, no, that wasn't the solution to this puzzle. Reset, go again. You know, whatever the context for that puzzle might be, that makes that makes perfect sense. So like a level of Lara Croft Go or something. Like, yeah, of course, when you fail, you reset, though I wish they had an undo my last move that was stupid button. That would save me a lot of time. <laughs> but it doesn't really help for narrative games, which of course no. is where I came in. So like thinking about um, one of my favourite games, The Last Express, like happens in real time very very easy to fall off the correct path which it has and then it makes you kind of start the chapter again and you can go somewhere else and explore something else Mm. but ultimately the fact that i failed feels incredibly disappointing Mm. but if i didn't fail then there would be no skill checks so what as a player am i achieving here yeah well i mean arguably i flip that on its head what are you testing as a developer i mean in the last express they're often testing do you have enough knowledge about this situation enough to have come up with a solution for this situation yeah. so it tends to mean have you played it three times mm. and <laughs> yeah. seen what it is that's going to kill you yeah. but it's, it's funny it does feel like I mean you could almost call that a paradox it's kind of the paradox of the fail state that you don't want a player to ever fail but you have to be able to fail in order to Succeed. reward them yeah. for, mm. for success there yeah. are plenty of stats about games that are too easy people don't play them very long yeah. like harder yeah. games get played for far longer because challenge is and you you believe that you're there's a reason for you to be playing well what's the point of me playing if i can't Mm. if it doesn't matter what i do what's the point of me playing on monkey island yes maybe it is really all about flow like you don't mind if you die and it does feel like a punishment so long as it reloads super fast and again, Halo did this really well. It was one of the first games that had super fast reload times that just meant that when you died, you barely had chance to think about the fact that you died and you were just back in and playing. And in fact, it's something that Thumper, a much more recent game, didn't do so well at, that they just have a little bit too much time kind of counting down to b- before you start. Um, and Trackmania, which should really, really get this right, has completely failed at that their, their recent um, PS4 release. Yeah, where you have to wait so long. You have so to wait so long. And it's, time, so it's, they, they seem to understand their genre so well, and yet they get that wrong. I, yeah. don't, I don't really understand it. Yeah, I've recently been playing uh, the game by Cape Guy, who did the 80 Days mm. Unity port, who's a friend of ours, mm. um, Ben Nicholson. And it's a endless runner skiing match three game it's just a little mobile game it's a great time time killer but like when you die in that when i've got reasonably far and it sets you right back to the beginning that's the sort of tetris model of gameplay but that's the one thing that makes me turn it off is it just threw all of my progress away Mm. like all of it and i have to go Mm. back to really easy again and i wish it just scrolled me a little bit up and let me Mm. carry on because even if the level's different from that point i just want to feel like i didn't lose everything that must be a really hard thing to balance in endless yeah, runner games in general definitely, mm. definitely. the a trick lot. is often to have a high skill ceiling so have the first like i don't know 30 seconds that's too easy for you adds coins in interesting places so uh, that you can challenge yourself by doing right, something that you yeah. would never have been able to do at the start it won't punish you it's all reward yeah that's interesting that makes sense yeah so in to, to to wrap this up then, fail state's still a problem. <laughs> no, no one's actually, I think for, for once in one of our episodes, no one has suggested a single solution to the problem of the mystery game where you make the wrong accusation. I still don't know what I would do if we were making that game. If we were making like, you know, Death on the Nile, 
right. starring Hercule Poirot. You get to the end of the game and you say, I think it was Lazarus Jones. And Lazarus Jones says, nope. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell does the player do? What do we do as a game? What would be the correct thing to do in that game? Or can we simply not make that game? I think I think you need to think of it from a narrative point of view because um, since that simply cannot exist in a TV show or a novel, yeah. um, you have to think of a way that it could exist in a TV show or a novel. Like literally imagine writing a novel in which Hercule Poirot gets it wrong four or five times before he gets it right. Why would he do that? So and what would be the art? The classic Agatha Christie thing, I think, would probably be that you go to accuse somebody, you walk into their room to accuse them, and you find that they've been murdered. That <laughs> would be the Agatha Christie way to do it. And then yeah, you go like, good. well, it can't have been him, <laughs> so it must have been someone oh, else. that's a great solution. So there might be ten people at the start of the game, and that's literally your score. And right, you, and every if you whittle it down to them. one person, then maybe then, finally, Hercule Poirot gets murdered. <laughs> <laughs> being the natural person that you would murder next if yeah. you're stuck on an island with Hercule Poirot <laughs> as I guess, a murderer. I guess my other excuse I'd come up with um, if I was a writer, which I'm not, mm-hmm. <laughs> is I would. I guess it's the Prince of Persia model that Hercule Poirot would start to accuse someone and say, now you might think it's this person, but actually, of course, I know nice. that it's not true. Actually, that's quite nice if you get halfway through it and then, yeah. Yeah, because he does do that. He starts he, to yeah. point the finger at someone and then turn it around and say, aha, you thought I was about to accuse them, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. actually no, that. That's, that, If you could do that interactively, that would be quite slick. I mean, the other thing you could do is just not give the player the accuse button until they've got it right. Which so, is essentially what um, uh, not Paper Speaker, her story does, to some degree. Yeah, I suppose in a way, yeah. I mean, the game definitely doesn't say you're done until you get the done button, which only comes up, I think, when once, you've... Once you've seen the clip that... Yeah. That, or the collection of clips that says that you're done, yeah. And so I suppose, like, I think maybe the old Infocom games, you always had a sidekick, like a police sidekick, and your job was to convince the policeman to arrest the so-and-so person. And if you got the wrong person, the policeman would say, nah, that's not possible because of this. Or you don't have enough evidence, I'm not doing anything. Mm. So maybe that would be a solution that could work. But you literally have to have all the building blocks in a row in order to be able to... And then you're just triggering the denouement. Yeah. You're not actually... Yeah. That's given me an idea. What if it's you have to prove your case in a court of law, regardless of whether or not you're right, if you have the audience to convince the jury then you win. You might not have actually got the right person, but you have enough evidence. <laughs> ah, so that's, it's that's okay. Cool. There's a game called great. Bohemian Killing, which I think is made by a lawyer, which is about that. No way. But I haven't played it, so I don't know anything about oh. it. I just saw it reviewed somewhere and thought it looked quite interesting, so I must look that up at some point. Cool. Okay, so we solved it then, right? All right, yay! Hey. Hey. Last minute, turn Good job, team. There we go. <laughs> 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 so Poirot pulls it out the bag yet again. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>